Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the King Kong Minute Podcast. This is the show where we analyze, scrutinize, and celebrate the 2005 film King Kong, one minute at a time. My name is Steven. And I'm Terry. And once again, we are joined by our guest... Me! It's Andrew Hawthorne. Hey, everyone. I'm from Monster Squad Minute, or, you know, No Time for Heroics, or... I don't know, CBC News? I'm not sure uh, where you know me from, but here I am talking about Kong. This is awesome. We're, again, so grateful to have you back uh, on this lovely Tuesday. I'm extremely happy to be here. <laughs> Anybody I can talk to about this movie, like I said, when when this movie came out, I would just, just stop people in the street to tell them about this movie. <laughs> <laughs> now that I have people willing to talk about the movie, I'm very happy about it. You know, the first time, I, I don't know if I actually ever said this, the first time I saw part of this movie because the the first time i watched the whole thing i sneaked the dvd out of my parents room and watched it downstairs in the basement because i wasn't allowed to watch it because of all the language anyway (laughs) the first time i watched part of it was sitting at a pizza shop it was playing on one of the tvs and uh it was the um it was this scene as the ship was approaching the island nice Um, and this is a great intro it was and i knew what it was because for some reason uh we weren't allowed to watch the movie because of the language but i was allowed to have the ps2 game so I had the PS2 game, and so I knew what the movie was from the game. That game was supposed to be really good, too. Oh, it was amazing. I'm, I think, Terry, you, you haven't played it, right? But I played it a little bit with right. you. With me. That's, that's right. I played it. Okay. Because um, you get no, to be I Kong, played... right? Mm-hmm. With, wow. Oddly enough, those are the weak parts. Uh, playing as Jack is actually where the, where the game is strongest. Uh, so, wow. yes, you play as Jack through the whole story. It's so good. It's phenomenal game. Highly recommend Graphics are obviously a little dated at this point, but if you can get past that, great game. And I can. <laughs> um, so minute 52, here we are. Minute 52 starts with um, the ship starts slowing down after its intense battle with the first rock and uh, slows down in front of a rock that kind of looks maybe a little bit like a skull. And mm-hmm. it ends with Carl seeing the wall with a capital W. Indeed. <laughs> um Man, some great imagery again in this minute. Oh, yeah. Great imagery. And th- this is really where Peter Jackson starts putting his stamp on Kong for me. Because mm-hmm. up until now, uh, other than character assassinating Carl Denham, uh, <laughs> really what, what he's been adding is just kind of expanding on this world, right? Like sure. just giving us a closer look. Like, like you said, letting us spend a lot of time with these characters, getting to mm-hmm. enjoy the venture crew. Like, more of what we maybe could imagine was in the background of the 33 Kong. Mm -hmm. But now we start seeing a very different Skull Island. Oh, yeah. And and really, like, he's just one-to-one-ing Rillier from from Call of Cthulhu, right? Like, that's what's Mm. going on here. Oh, gosh, right. Yeah. He is is lovecrafting Skull Island completely. Like, this is a... Go ahead. No, sorry, I was thinking, early on, we even mentioned that approaching Skull Island has this feeling of cosmic dread. It does. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. and 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 this is it, right? Like, it's it's a, a sinking proto-human or pre-human civilization in the middle of the Pacific. And mm-hmm. Call of Cthulhu just came out five years before the original Kong. So it's mm. interesting to think of the story structure of both of them yeah. being... Mm-hmm. These guys trying to solve a mystery. They've got an ancient text that they're following that yeah. a sailor who went mad in the Pacific says, oh, there's <laughs> this crazy island. And then they go there. Horrible things happen. They barely escape with their lives. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that that 
Marion C. Cooper was like, oh, let's do this Lovecraft guy. That's <laughs> extremely unlikely. But it's interesting that maybe like just something was in the water at the time. Or yeah. in Call of Cthulhu, of course, the very presence of Cthulhu makes everybody dream this story. Right. So maybe that happened. Yes. That's... These are some great crack theories. Someone needed to draw those parallels if we weren't going to. That was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even... It's got to happen. And and yeah. honestly, watching this at the time, I was just... Mm-hmm. You know, for a long time, they said Call of Cthulhu was unfilmable, which is something I hate. Like, everything... Oh, this yeah. book is unfilmable until somebody films it. And you're like... Oh, Let you Del Toro know. do it. He could do it. He could do Del it. Del Toro right? could do it. But the H.P. Lovecraft Historical Society did a really low-budget, black-and-white, silent version of Call of Cthulhu, and it totally works. If you took that okay. exact script and put lines in it <laughs> and filmed it in color, it would still work. If, if Peter Jackson did it exactly like he did Kong, it would work. But I love, do it. I love what he did with Skull Island here because it is, it's so different from the original mm-hmm. and so refreshing, and it just looks so decrepit and... Mm-hmm. And, and crazy you know it does and i i absolutely love that the island is its own character in this movie um and it's it's the antagonist mm-hmm. the, the island is the antagonist kong's not it's more yeah. the dangers of what they find here and i mean you could say that for the original one as well but in this one it's just it has so much personality to it um which i will be delving into later in this episode um, because, uh, as was mentioned in our trailer episode, Terry did gift me, um, the World of Kong, yes. Natural History of Skull Island book, which is Wedemore Chop's concept art. I was immediately <laughs> going to ask you if you guys had that book, because I found uh, that book when, when the movie came out. There you go. Um, I was working in a bookstore. I held it up. <laughs> I was managing a bookstore when this movie came out, and nice. that, that book was there, and I was so excited about it. But then I flipped through, and I'm like, there's, there's no Kong here. <laughs> you know? Uh, in, in retrospect, I really appreciate what they did with it, like making mm. this text. But, like, what that book says is the island is gone. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. they, they established that Skull Island is sinking. Yep. Yeah. And. You know, 20 or 30 years after Carl Denham, it's gone. Yep. Actually, so, I don't even think it's that long. It's like five years or something like that. It's not very long. So it's long. definitely really A, right? <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> oh, 100%. The stars aren't right anymore. <laughs> exactly. Um, but I will be bringing that up, especially uh, talking about the wall and things like that. What the book says is it was um, an ancient civilization that we know absolutely nothing about, possibly some kind of um, southeast or south eastern asia i think it said um coming over uh wait yes there it is uh the island is sitting west of sumatra and it says it is a region afflicted by intense magnetic anomalies which does explain the compass going off all wonky like we were looking at uh, earlier and trying to figure out why what might make it do that um storms fog lots of things like that and yes it does sit um on volcanic areas so that's why a lot of the Sits on tectonic plates. There it is. Uh, sat square on the turbulent. I can say that word again. <laughs> sat square on the turbulent boundary of the Indo-Australian and Eurasian tectonic plates. So those tectonic plates kind of smashing together comes up in these rocky juts. That that's what the ship's avoiding, and that's where all the fog is coming from too. You got this underwater volcanic activity and steam. Mm-hmm. You know. So I mean, it's beautifully done, and it creates this dramatic reveal of this amazing looking island wall civilization everything it's just phenomenal oh yeah it's gorgeous 
And this is Weta Workshop at like the height of their powers. Mm-hmm. They had just created a half a dozen races with full graphic design and history mm-hmm. and style for Lord of the Rings. And they're just doing it again. And they're like, we're just building a civilization from the ground up. Here it is. It's like nothing you've ever seen. Weta, Weta Workshop, they also did Chronicles of Narnia Line, The Witch of the Wardrobe, did they not? Which they came did. out the same year as this. Man, yes, they were busy. They were banking. <laughs> that was not... Are, are, are either of you Narnia fans? Oh, yeah. I am. Big fan. Oh, yeah, yeah, so th- those movies were not that great, right? Like, and, I, and I love of, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. The other first one was the best. The first one was the best, mm. you know, but really, like, part of the problem with those movies... I don't want to, like, get into controversy here, but part <laughs> of the problem with those movies... I'm, I'm, I'm an atheist, but okay. they defanged the Christianity of those movies, and it is a Christian allegory. For and sure. They yeah. were terrified of that. And yeah. so, in, yeah. like, Aslan is supposed to be God. Yeah, And they exactly. defanged him entirely. He's just a lion in those movies. Right? I think um, the the Voyage of the Dawn Shredder makes it pretty clear at the end. I thought maybe that's just me, but... Um, you can't I get away from it, it right? Because <laughs> right. he's like, yeah. like, you can't cure yourself. I have to do it for you. Like, yes, this exactly. is what the book is about, right? Right. And I was, if you've got a problem, you're scared. I don't know what the heck it was <laughs> that they did yeah. this. But, like, even the the BBC 80s Narnia oh, yeah. the puppet Aslan. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man, that that's a niche puppet, memory. Yeah, and that puppet has more gravitas than Liam Neeson in those Disney Narnia movies. It just doesn't work, even though they had Weta. I don't know. I, I personally may have to disagree, and that's just Okay, me. that's fine. Because Liam Love Neeson. Love a movie. <laughs> love a movie, man. It's cool. Yeah, I it's love okay Monster Squad, a movie that that's nobody fair. likes. <laughs> I... I, from what I have seen, trailers, <laughs> trailers Z, I know I'm going to love it when I watch it. It looks like some campy nonsense that I'm going to adore. Of so, what? Monster, Monster Squad? Squad. It looks I like something I'm going to adore. It's a, it's a good movie, everybody. <laughs> Trust me. But um, in any yeah. case, so Weta Workshop, they knew exactly yes. what they were doing. They they made all of the the creatures for Narnia. They made mm-hmm. all the, the, the weapons. Like Peter's sword in that movie is incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it is. And uh and yeah, and here they are making this. But so let, let's just open another can of worms. Why not? Okay. With, That's what we're here for. With here. And and it's it's a can I've got here and it's marked what's what's marked on this can? Oh, colonialism. <laughs> yes. Is marked on this can. So oh, man. so the problem of Kong yeah. is that and, and I love Kong, I love 30s Kong, I love 2005 Kong. I'm lukewarm on the 70s Kong, even though that one does this best, I think. But the problem is yeah. that you cannot get around that you've got a bunch of white heroes going to an island with an indigenous population, mm-hmm. decimating that population and its ecosystem, and, and basically being fine with that. And 100%. Sh- Not to mention desecrating their religion as well. Yeah, you know. Their religion, their culture, everything. Mm. Charitably, you can say that both movies are about the problem with that. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. But, so... so this this Kong attempts to sidestep that, uh, I think, yeah. with this th- this this revolution. One by making the white folks not very heroic. Most of them kind of scummy, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so so they're winking at like colonialism. It really sucks. <laughs> sure. But the other thing they do is instead of you know in the original Kong, what these these people on this island should be are Polynesian, right? In the original yeah. Kong. They are Africans of some kind sure. in yeah. some strange Marion C. Cooper Ugh. had worked with in, in Africa before. 
Um, and so in this version of Kong, what Peter Jackson and Weta try to do is just make them kind of a weird mm-hmm. mashup menage. Mm-hmm. They're not really any race. Mm-hmm. They're just and and in doing so, maybe do it worse. Yeah. In, okay. It's interesting because George Lucas tried to do the exact same thing in the prequels, right? He's like, mm-hmm. man, I really love those serial movies from the 20s and 30s, but they're so full of these racist stereotypes about Jews and Chinese people and stuff. What oh. if I just made them all aliens? I know. I'll just exactly make Gungans same. and Nemoidians. That'll <laughs> fix it. <laughs> totally solves it, right? Watto, he's great. He's this big-nosed guy who loves money. Nothing yeah. wrong with that, right? <laughs> oh, no. And so, so basically, yeah. that's what we've done here is, is like, oh, you know, we, we can't have, have these natives in here. That's very racist. What if we just have these subhuman savages fighting the white guys? Just these mm-hmm. dark-skinned mm-hmm. subhumans. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so the question I have is, is it possible to remake Kong anymore? I don't know. I mean, I'm they're sure like they're this. gonna. It's inevitable. <laughs> Well, they're currently making Kong movies. They just released one like last year, I guess. Right. (laughs) But we're not, I don't think we're going to go back to seeing indigenous people like this. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say uh, Kong Skull Island 2017 did have an indigenous tribe. I would say it was, I don't know, problem free. (laughs) You know, I don't know how to say it. Like it was probably problem free. They they were, they were relatively normal, real human people. Yeah. And then, you know, Kong versus Godzilla killed them all (laughs) off screen. Like, oh, too bad Oof. they all died. Anyway, we don't uh, have to deal with that anymore. That's true. It definitely did. It, it was kind of a similar story to actually what happens to this Skull Island. Yeah. <laughs> it just gets wiped yeah, out by natural just... disasters at the end. There you go. Do we see them die? Like, we're not even at the natives. I don't know why we're talking about the natives. But <laughs> I'm not right. very interested in it. And I'm not no going to be there for those minutes. So I'm going to hey. hijack your podcast. Please. Do we see that's them cool. die Please or do, do they just vanish? In uh, this or the... In uh... this. Yeah, yeah. 05. I just, I just think... The whole I think movie they take and, Kong and don't talk about it anymore. Yeah, by the time Kong is breaking through the gate, yeah, the natives are gone. And what's interesting is in in the thirty three, that's the scene that most humanizes the natives because they're screaming in terror. These white guys are messing yeah. up their island, and they're yeah. the yeah. ones that Kong is tearing up. They're the ones he's eating and stepping on yeah. and stuff. Yeah, right. And so you're like, yeah. oh no, these poor natives. Yeah, it actually goes a little bit more to humanize them there, which is. That's Man, funny. that's that's rough. It's rough. <laughs> to quote Dante Bosco, that's rough, buddy. <laughs> that's rough. I'm sorry, guys. Um, but anyway, we're not even at those guys. We can get away the, from to like you know. the only thing that I had on that. The only thing you could possibly say, at least in the defense of the appearance, is that Skull Island has been isolated from the rest of um just the global development and civilization for so long and um that the only thing you could possibly say and this is tenuous i'm admitting that is that um this culture and this specific people group um has developed just completely isolated from any other um gene pool from any other um just like input basically um into their genetics so that they look like no other people group mm-hmm. on the face of the earth as a result of their isolation that does not excuse do. their characterization bone tomahawk no uh, heard, heard, heard of it, it. <laughs> bone tomahawk is a really great western and and that's basically what they do in that it's a kurt mm. russell movie and one they have other humanized indigenous native americans in that movie mm-hmm. uh but two like they're they're going after these weird cave dwelling 
monsters, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And and so and and they're they're basically like how indigenous people would have been treated if this western had been made 80 years ago or whatever. But mm-hmm. but they're definitely not. And so like it it kind of it kind of plays a trick on you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sleight of hand, but it's like we're going to because we just really want to tell these kinds of stories that are cool, but we don't want all this horrible baggage and, and racist stuff. So we're going to add in some human indigenous people. We're going to do this stuff. And so that's kind of what they're trying to do in Kong here as well, I think. And I I think that's laudable. Someday I think we'll be able to tell those stories again (laughs) when we've gotten away from telling lots and lots of stories about savages that that the white man is going to, when we get away from that for a while, Mm -hmm. we can, you know, tell fun stories about mm. another great story about this is <laughs> is uh, Eaters mm-hmm. of the Dead, the novel, okay, um, which was made into the Thirteenth Warrior, which mm-hmm. is a really good movie, and and that's about essentially, um, I think it's about in the novel, it's definitely uh, about finding like a, a tribe of Neanderthals, but in Viking times, okay. and so the Vikings think that they're they're monsters. And what do we do about these monsters, right? But it's clear sure. that what they're talking about is Neanderthals, but a Viking wouldn't know what a Neanderthal is. Right. So that's that's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we will. Don't worry. You can listen later. We'll talk about the natives. I'm glad you got. I to, will. <laughs> I just had to, to get this in. I'm not going to be here later. So no, whenever that's you, fine. you get to that, that's, that's fine. Great. But I just, just planting my little flag on the maybe this doesn't work that well in that respect. But no the design no is great. I I agree. Um, and yeah, we I, we won't go too deep into it right now. But I think um, Jackson wanted to tell the story of the 33 film. And he did want to sidestep the problems with it. And in doing so, he just kind of erased a whole part of it. <laughs> and just and, and that happens sometimes. Yeah. You know, uh, are, are we fans of John Carter here? <laughs> I have movie? watched it. I did not, not love it. And so I just stopped there. That was about it's it. It's not great. <laughs> And, Didn't read the and books. some people really like it, but mm. it's it's based on on a pulp novel called *A Princess mm-hmm. of Mars*, which is one of my mm-hmm. favorite books of all time. It's really great. Okay. But you know the the central feature of that is is Dejah Thoris, the princess of Mars, and she's okay. frequently a damsel in distress and whatever. Mm-hmm. And so when they made the movie, they're like, well, she's not just a princess; she's a scientist, and she's a general, and she's a warrior, and all this stuff. So so it's not mm-hmm. just you know it's it's the feminist solution here. But what's interesting about that is they ultimately end up removing all of her agency by doing so. Because even though in the original, and I'm not claiming it's a feminist text, but even Mm. though in the original novel she's frequently a damsel in distress, she's also the one who chooses at every step of the way what is going to happen to her and what is going to happen to her kingdom. You know, she takes ownership of that. Whereas in the new movie, even though she's supposed to be a brilliant scientist and a warrior and stuff, she really only ever does what the men are telling her to do. Or she's at the mercy of the men telling her to do it, right? Even though that's supposed to be kind of the modern feminized feminist version <laughs> of it. Sure. So, like, they ended up like going so far that they kind of hamstrung themselves. Over. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, it happens in movies, guys. We're trying to be a better civilization here. <laughs> we are a civilization I... with Kongs that <laughs> that live happy, long lives. But I, I don't think that these were even issues. But like, even what was this like? Oh, five. Less than 20 years ago, right? Yeah. I don't think these were really... Th- this was the most progressive way you could do this story at that time, right? It's yeah. just now we're like, oh, that's horrible. And in 10 years, we'll we'll listen to this podcast and be like, oh, those guys are horrible. <laughs> so this is yeah. just the way it works. Yep. 
Yeah, as long as we're actively at any point just trying to be better and acknowledging we can always be better, that's the most we can do. Yeah, exactly. For sure. And some ta- someday we'll learn our lesson and not abduct giant monkeys from Pacific Islands and take them to New York. Where's the fun in that? And, well, I don't know, but we're <laughs> not supposed to do it anymore. That's what they told us. Um, yeah, lots of, wow. So on minute 52, no. That's just <laughs> I, I really sorry. I, I totally uh, getting back stuff. to this minute though. What's great about this minute is we basically see every character on the on the venture, and they all get yeah. to react to this giant statue, right? Like like they all have a minute of like, there's more to this island than we kind of thought. Yeah, you know? and I think that and gives Carl also... a feeling of vindication because mm-hmm. um, he's like, sure. ha I was right. I was right. This is and this that's is my why movie. He he keeps luring them in, right? Mm-hmm. Because He's always screwing them over. He's giving them bad checks. He's giving them bad directions. He's lying sure. to them. And they catch him every time. <laughs> but then something happens that kind of like, ah, I was right, right? Like, we can all get rich. Yeah. He's always got that one thing, right? Mm-hmm. That's his whole character is making mm-hmm. things work for him however he can. He's very resourceful. Another character I really love in this minute, though, Lumpy. Yes. Oh yeah. Oh, I sing his. I sing Andy Serkis's praises any chance I can get. <laughs> they they need to let him out of the mocap more often, man. He's he's so great as this weird Popeye esque cook <laughs> that loves yes. walnuts in this movie. And Scrimshaw. And, scr- and yes. Scrimshaw. He just walnuts loves and Scrimshaw. It. He's gonna Scrimshaw. He loves walnuts. He loves hanging with Choi. He loves doing Scrimshaw. He <laughs> loves having one eye closed. He's great. I still haven't figured out why he does that. We we uh, talked about it in a previous episode. We don't really know why. He just He's got walnuts in him. there, man. He's, He's got a walnut. He's himself in the face. <laughs> and then every time the camera's on him, he's like, ah! Oh. Well, my favorite, and I mentioned this earlier, is when Lumpy is talking about the creature, neither beast nor man. It's like, this is just one Andy Serkis character hyping up another Andy Serkis character. <laughs> yeah, I know. Really it's like, guys... And, and his emotions are really legible. Like, let me tell you, when you see this guy, you're really going to feel for him. <laughs> oh, man. I do love that uh, when it shows him, he's like parallel to the deck, leaning on that thing. Whatever. I don't. Is it on the railing? Kind of the railing. But he's like parallel. He's like sideways leaning on that thing. He's struggling. I don't know what he's on. Is he on one of the stays? Yeah. Everybody almost just got knocked off this thing. It's amazing. Jimmy held on to the crow's nest. He does have a kind of comical fall where he just like mm-hmm. like melts into the crow's nest. It's pretty yeah, great. It's a good fall. I mean, he's a dancer, Jamie Bell. He yeah. knows how to move. Yeah, <laughs> he does. Um, um, the fog yeah. parts. We get the first shot of the wall here. Oh, it's so good. So I I just love that it looks like a spine. Like they've yeah. they've oh, made yeah. this look like. Because they're doing all of these allegories to Heart of Darkness and stuff, and yes, yes. and naturalism as a beast itself, right? Mm-hmm. And, and you know, like later on, Hayes is going to quote, you know, we're we're accustomed to looking on the form of a shackled yeah. monster, and this is or the a monster, conquered monster, like it's, yeah, yeah. It's it's back is broken here, you know, in in a way, but it's still somehow potent, and it's just so I love. It looks so decrepit, like you're not sure if you're looking at tectonic rock that's been mm-hmm. pushed up or a sculpture that all of this looks amazing. Yeah. It's, it's been so long since the previous civilization uh, has left that their structures have almost become part of the Island. 
you yeah, know, it's yeah. it's its own entity now. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I did. There was another note in here that uh, the in the book that suggests that the uh, the giant apes may have been a species that came over with the um, original civilization. Who again, no one knows who they are, um, but that's why it's so involved in their their sculptures that they have the rocks out there that look like giant ape skulls and um things like that is it alludes to a quoting the book alluding to a symbiosis between the species so kind um, of a shug off if you would <laughs> um yeah it's uh i love it this book is phenomenal resource unfortunately if you want to look at it you're looking at about 200 bucks on ebay but best of luck did you pay 200 bucks <laughs> for that I didn't. No, <laughs> he got I, it back in the day because um, I got like an original first run copy from uh, one of my dad's friends because he knew how big into it I was. I enjoyed it for like a decade and a half. Then when it was time for Stephen's wedding last year, I said, "You know what? This feels like a good time to pass this on to someone else who I know will appreciate it." Was it a wedding present? That's cool. it, was. it was. You guys are cool. This is a <laughs> we great try. podcast. We try. <laughs> the The day he gave it to me was the day this podcast was born. In con- conceived on, of at least on your yes. wedding day, the day before, the day before he. Uh, You're supposed we... to have your mind on different things, dude. <laughs> no, I was thinking about King Kong the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Who am no, I to judge? Um, it was no, she was uh, being sacrificed to me, the large hairy. Anyway, um... <laughs> yeah, would be great. You know how people have like Star Wars weddings and stuff. Yeah. You have a Kong <laughs> wedding where she just gets lowered down on the arm. And... Oh, oh lord! And, oh. and that is how you know. This episode is probably uh, about time to end. I have one more thing to say. As soon as the fog... It's been night this entire time. As soon as the fog parts, it's day. Yeah. It's time to see. Come on. I I just assume a a few minutes ago, Englehorn was like, use the stars. And Hayes should have been like, there are no stars, Captain. Wait, that was just a few minutes ago, wasn't it? Yeah, it's like seven in the morning. There's no stars. What are you talking about? Anyway, I forgive the movie. Uh, you're right. I, I didn't think about that, but you're right. Time just passed really quick. Well, now it's day. Or maybe the fog was so thick that it was like night looking. It's What's wrong like, with that? There you go. There's nothing wrong with it. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, once we started talking about Kong theme wedding, I think uh, I think we might have run out of yeah <laughs> run out of content. Maybe well, that's quite while we're ahead. That's how I'm redoing renewing my vows. There, perfect. I'll, I'll hold you to that, and I want to be invited also, just so you know. Absolutely. It's going to happen. <laughs> um, all right. Well, is there anything you'd like to plug, sir, since you're joining uh, I'd us? like to – I'll plug Monster Squad Minute. It's a, it's entirely available for free. We're totally done. Uh, and if you've never heard of the movie Monster Squad, I forgive you, most people haven't. But it's a really great <laughs> mm-hmm. movie from 1987. It's written by the guy that wrote Lethal Weapon. It's uh, – totally great Uh, it stars the guy who's the murderer from manhunter as frankenstein and it stars uh, zorro from the new adventures of zorro as dracula (laughs) and it's it's got a full gamut of stan winston's creature shop stuff doing the classic universal it's basically goonies versus universal monsters it's one of my favorite movies of all time we did the whole thing and we had a lot of cast members uh come on and talk about it we had uh, some guys from The Daily Show came on and talked about it. It was a great time, and I won't say it's a great podcast because I made it. That would be extremely <laughs> rude, but you should go listen to it. It's great. Monster Squad mm-hmm. Minute. Yay. <laughs> Perfect. 
All right. Well, everyone, yeah, go check out Monster Squad Minute. And um, are you both, uh, both of you, are you able to join me again tomorrow to talk about King Kong? I think so. Yeah, I think I'm so. desperate to join you again tomorrow. <laughs> King Kong. So Terry, this is I have maybe. to get all my my Kong minutes out now, or I'm just going to be talking about Kong to my wife for the rest of the year, and <laughs> it's not going to work. Then she'll never go to my Kong themed renewal of our vows. That's okay. Oh, yeah, our uh, wives have already as... suffered. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. My gosh. I have to shove my wife in a room every time I record, so she doesn't make noise. <laughs> I hope you ask nicely. <laughs> eh, she'll be fine. <laughs> I give her some water and a crust of bread and shove her in there. <laughs> she put some holes in the door for air. Oh, she man. can hear me, and I'm going to get a text any second now. I'm just telling yeah. her. Gonna... <laughs> yeah. Guys, I don't treat my wife like that. Just want to throw that out there. <laughs> there you go. The text and came on in. that note. The text came in. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what it said, but it wasn't good. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm sure you'll, you'll have fun with that later. I will. All right. Well, guys, I think that feels like a conclusion. So, you will hear us when you hear us. On the next episode of the King Kong Kong Minute. Minute. King Kong Minute. Great. Yeah. We're improving. (laughs) All right. See you guys.